love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart Your love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. We're excited to bring you another edition of the uh, the Healing Hidden Wounds segment with Lee Preston. So uh, my name is Jonathan, and I'm here with Lee. How are you doing, Lee? I'm good. How are you, Jonathan? I'm great. And uh, we are going to be coming to you with a, uh, a really kind of neat topic here, I think. It, it's one of those where I was looking over the, the notes here, and I was thinking, okay, so these are unhealthy things, because we're going to talk about the impatient, perfect dad and kind of, first of all, maybe help us get some definition about, because most people would not associate impatient with perfect. And so I'm I'm imagining there's a little tongue-in-cheek here maybe with uh, how you're phrasing this particular idea. Well, yes. Uh, I think what I'm, I'm trying to point out there is sometimes in our impatience, we demand perfection. And so I see. Dad's got to be perfect, and yet, therefore, he's also impatient because everything around him has to be perfect. And uh, and and we see this a lot. I mean, I know we see it a lot at the Gateway, and I see it a lot working with guys who have same-sex attraction in that, you know, if you really get down to the core root of a, of a, of a dad wound of some of the guys we work with, it's that he could never live up to dad's perfection and he was never able to allow, to be in a moment where dad was patient with him and kind of helped him learn through a process of, of, of something new. Yeah, he was always lacking in some way. He was always not enough, and or, or at least that was the perception. That's it's right. Not not measuring up. That's right. You know, and it's, uh, you know, it's like the kid who goes to the batting cages and uh, dad says, hey, I'll take you down there and we'll, we'll do this together and... And they get out there, and, and the kid just can't live up to his dad's expectations. You know, he's not hitting the balls right, or his stance is slightly off, or, you know, he's, you know, seven or eight, which we know most seven or eight-year-olds, they're more interested in wondering, you know, are we going to go to McDonald's after this is over? Or, and they're fairly uncoordinated at that age. That's so. right, and very distractible, so they may be, you know, off looking at other things, and Dad's like, hey, 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 get over here and look at this, and hey, I, hey, st- pay attention, pay attention. They're, they're picking up an arrowhead in the sand or, that's or in right. the dirt, you know. That's right, and so they're doing all these things that are just really getting under Dad's perfectionistic, impatient skin, and so he gets so frustrated at some point, he just says, ah, forget it, you know, let's just go home. You know, and so then that, you know, sticks in that kid's mind from then on out that, uh oh, I've I've messed up. I did something that now dad's shutting it all down for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I can there's part of me that can just already kind of sense some of our listeners, especially maybe some of the dads leaping forward to this conclusion that saying, well, what am I supposed to do? Just let my kid, 
you know, not learn how to do these things? And do I just let him be on his own and not, you know, because the dad will jump to that assumption that says, aren't I supposed to push my kid? Aren't I supposed to challenge him? Aren't I supposed to? So I think I think you're exactly right. I think there is a God given Holy Spirit induced middle line there. I think if you find yourself, as one guy put it, I th- I love the way he put it. He said, my dad was kind of the push-my-hand-away kind of dad. You know, I'd go out to help him in the garage, and and he would be working on the car, and I'd say, you know, he'd say, hey, hand me this uh, hand me this screwdriver, and I'd give it to him, and, and he'd say, okay, now hold this while I screw this. And just because I didn't hold it quite right, he'd, he'd brush my hand away and say, you know what, forget it. You know, just never mind. I'll get it. I'll, I'll mm. do it. I'll do it. And I think if you find yourself doing that a lot, then what you're not doing is teaching your son, hey, son, it's okay. Let me show you how to hold that. Like, I'm worthy of his time. And when a dad doesn't show his son that he's worthy of his time, then it hurts. Well, you know, it's interesting because I just, I was just talking with a friend of mine over this weekend, and he was talking about he is... He's teaching his uh, younger son how to change the oil in the car, and they're even kind of doing it for some of their neighbors and that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, he's 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 learned with the, he's got multiple kids, and he's learned with all his children as they're growing up. He said that when you when you're teaching your kids how to do something, he said, you just have to expect it's going to take five times longer than it would normally if you were doing Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And he said that's a real challenge because you want you want the task done. You want it done correctly, and but there's this piece in which you're also wanting to teach your son how to do some of these things. And it really, I think for, for dads who have any sort of perfectionistic tendencies, any sort of like, it's got to be this way, this can be an incredible challenge. And I confess I'm one of those dads. I'm the I'm the dad that yeah, says, Hey, the shirts have got to be hung the right way in the in the closet and you know, you load a dishwasher a certain way and you know, that kind of thing. So I I can already identify with all of our listeners who are nodding their heads saying, Yeah, I'm the dad that wants things to be the right way and it's a real challenge to then say to teach your son things and to model things for them, it's just gonna you gotta expect it's gonna take three, four, five times longer to do whatever the task is. Sure. And, and yeah, it's, I think it's important to acknowledge that it's okay to teach them to do something right. But what you don't want to do is the byproduct of an overly impatient, overly perfectionistic dad that ends up sending his kid down a road of either not trying at all anymore. You know, people sometimes come to us and say things like, I don't understand, you know, uh, in counseling my my son, he, he just, you know, he doesn't go to work, he, he doesn't find a job, he doesn't do this. Or he, we've got on the other end the guy who says, well, my son, he's perfect. He's in the military, he works on the side, he's got two jobs, he takes care of this, he takes care of that. And then we see these guys in counseling and they're saying, I could never live up. And either I quit trying altogether mm-hmm. or I'm still trying. And the bar keeps moving. Every time I think it gets slightly at the point where I'm going to reach it and Dad will finally be proud of me, I bump it up now because I think you're you're still not making it. You're mm-hmm. still not getting there. And I know we're going to talk about about kind of what this does ultimately in the son and kind of some of the ramifications it has throughout his developmental years and then even into adulthood. But I want to make I want to just say one more thing about the dads in this. I think what you almost have to do is when your kids are in those when your son is in that developmental stage, you know, from from early childhood all the way through adolescence 
it's almost like whatever thing you're going to be teaching him, whether it's a, a, a skill task, you know, like changing the oil or something like that, or whether it's some sort of uh, principle or philosophy, it's almost like you have to have the expectation that says, I have to expect that he will never get it right the first time. Right. You almost have to have that expect- That's expectation. Right. He's going to fail the first time. When I tell him how to, you know, take the 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 cap off the the oil pan. I got to know he's probably going to turn it the wrong way the first you know it's just those kinds of things right. if you can just expect that I think that might help sure reduce and I would take, some of that. I would take it a step further and say you're probably going to have to expect that he may not do it right the next 20 times. Right. <laughs> because you know a kid just remember you know we tend to look at things as adults. So we've got adult sized hands, we've got adult dexterity in our fingers. And when you're teaching an eight or nine year old kid how to do something, you know, he doesn't have the same dexterity and he hasn't been there and he hasn't done that and he hasn't matured. And so he's trying to learn all this for the first time. And uh, it's just real important if you even sense in your spirit that you're starting to get, you know, impatient because he keeps failing. Ask yourself what it really is doing to you. Is it doing to me that I, uh-oh, this is a reflection on me, that I've got a failure for a son, or that, uh-oh, mm-hmm. he's never going to get it, or, you know, I want this done right so the neighbors know that uh, I got a good son here who knows how to help me in the garage, or is it that I'm just, is it is it that it's making me feel like a failure as a father? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit then about how that failure, how that tends to get translated into a boy's mind, a young boy's mind, when he's failed, and then what typically does that sort of impress upon that child because of course not every not every boy is the same but we can make some pretty general statements that are accurate in terms of generally speaking this kind of environment of where there's the impatient perfect dad that's imposing a lot of these unrealistic expectations on his young son when that failure occurs there's some general responses aren't there in terms of how that kid then internalizes emotionally, that sense of failure. Sure, sure. I think overall the biggest response can be, I'm a failure. I'm making Dad upset. I can't see. I I must not be able to do it because he's getting so upset with me or he's so impatient with me. There must be something bad about me because according to his reaction, his impatience, I must have already, I should have already been able to know how to do this. So but isn't but aren't those feelings born out of the fact that a, every son is is innately born with a desire to please his dad? Most definitely. So there wouldn't if that wasn't there, there might not be as profound a sense of agony over the failure, because it'd be like, I don't okay, I've failed. Sure. But because in every son there is this. It's you can't even put a finger on it in terms of trying to to totally define it. Right. There is this desire to please father, to please dad. Right. And and the listeners can't even feel what's in the room right now, but there's an emotion in the room right, right. now as we're talking about that. And that's in everybody's that's in every man's little boy heart that he wants to be valued by his dad. He wants dad to say great job. Great job. And if a boy doesn't hear that, if he only hears things like, oh, never mind, I'll do it. Or, you know what, you just can't get it. Let's just quit for today. Even in those things that take four hours and it only should have taken 20 minutes, that boy needs to hear at least some messages along the way, even though there'll be some that will say, no, you didn't do it right. He needs to hear overall that no matter what, you, you made it. 
Mm-hmm. You met what I needed. I am I am your father, and in you I am pleased, and right. I see that in you. And what happens with the guys we work in addiction, and and you know, is that if they don't ever succeed, or if they're constantly trying, they got to have a break from that. You know, they can't be under that kind of pressure and not at some point head off into something that will help them feel no pressure. Yeah, it will ease that pressure. And that's part of it. Is I guess one of the responses that's pretty typical is then the son just is perpetually trying to work harder to please dad. Right. You're just working, 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 working. And um, and the resiliency and the persistence of little boys can be pretty amazing. Sure. Even when, they're, even when they remain under this pressure because that desire is so strong to please dad. Sure. And, and you know, little boys can go even years under that pressure and just try and try and try and try. And you even see it, I think, um, I mean, we've even seen it in adult men sure. who for, for decades are still trying to work to get that dad's approval. Well, isn't it interesting, Jonathan? Where do you think the impatient, perfect dad comes from? He comes from that little boy who never made it. Mm-hmm. And so he's so impatient and perfectionistic with himself that he drives his son now to somehow meet it. Yeah, it's a perpetual, it's a it's a cycle that repeats generationally. Right, which is why sometimes addiction repeats generationally, mm-hmm. because what ends up happening is i got to come away with one or two messages. Either one, i got to keep trying, and I beat myself up when I don't think I've, fa- I've, I've succeeded. Even if I did, I may have succeeded, and it didn't go quite the way I wanted it, and so I still fail, right? Mm-hmm. Or I may just give up altogether. And yeah, see, and that's the other response is just, throwing up your hands and quitting and maybe then being dubbed the rebel child. That's right. Because you just, you couldn't handle the pressure. Right. The rebel child, the failure, you know. Black sheep. The black sheep of the family. And so, man, once you call me the black sheep and the failure, I'm going to head off into that because I don't know really what else to do because I'll never make you happy enough. Mm -hmm. And so when you end up, especially with same-sex attraction, you got same-sex attracted guys out there who are still trying to, to meet that bar. But they've given up on their dads, usually. They've, mm-hmm. they've said, hey, I can't meet him where he is. I just quit. He and I aren't alike. He and I are done. We don't have anything in common, so I pull away. And so then I pull away, and then I end up heading off into ad- addictions with same sex because I have no relationship with the one man that I really wanted to have a relationship with in the first place. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, what kind of at what point i mean obviously everybody develops differently but generally speaking where do you think in this in this cycle of failure a boy begins to pull away from dad and maybe start to kind of get it that i'm not going to get what i need from dad and again i think all of this is happening sort of on an intuitive subconscious level in a, in a little boy because a little boy could not articulate what we're articulating right here sure even though it's a reality in what he's feeling and sensing and going through. So I'm wondering at what point in that process of repeatedly really seeing himself as a failure in front of his dad, does he start to pull away and now start to look elsewhere to try to get affirmation, to try to get acceptance, to try to feel, uh, you know, approval? Well, I think it's real hard, Jonathan, to pinpoint an exact time frame. You know, I've had guys who told me about a time when they were, you know, four and five years old when they were running through the house playing games with their friends and their dad was always the one screaming at them to stop and shut up and quit and don't do that and stop doing that and don't do that. 
Whereas maybe mom was the one saying, hey, have fun. This is great. You know, hey, y'all come get some Kool-Aid here in a little bit. And so he, you know, I remember a story similar to that. And the guy just said, I, I just realized my dad wasn't any fun. And I didn't really want to be around that. And so sometimes it can happen at that age. Sometimes it can happen at adolescence when you realize, you know, dad's up the only one up in the football stadium. And he's screaming your name and telling you out in front of everybody how you're not making the move or you're not taking the tackle or you're mm-hmm. not doing it right. And so, you know, the kid at some point learns, I got, I'm just a failure. I'm not meeting up to his expectation. And so I either keep trying or I back off from that altogether. Okay. Because I, you know, I can just, I can sense the parents out there, you know, dads and moms saying, well, how, what do I, how do I know? How do I tell, uh, you know, and, and how can I tell if it's, is it too late for this son of mine who's been under this pressure of failure to kind of recapture that and heal that and you know what I mean I sure. can you know parents of maybe 10 12 14 year old boys wondering they're hearing what we're saying and they're saying I've done the baseball thing I've done the oil change thing I've done the hand push away thing uh-oh is it too late you know in terms of this kid already sort of disconnecting and can you recapture that connection can you re establish that connection once it's once the kids really kind of dubbed dad's no fun or dad's you know I'm never going to be able to get close to dad well I think thank God he's always the God of second chances and Mm -hmm. so we start there but I think it's going to take more work on on the dad's part so now the impatient perfect dad has to be the patient imperfect dad who comes back to his son and says hey I've 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 messed up you know Uh, maybe I didn't always tell you and that's going to be a hard first step for the impatient perfect dad because he thinks he's got to be perfect. So to go and acknowledge to his son how sorry he is for being imperfect is going to be a hard first step. But I think God always honors that step. It may take a while for the ship to turn. You know, it's not going to turn on a dime. But I think over time, the more the, the father keeps being willing, I think he will begin to see change happen. Mm-hmm. I know that's a... That's a real cry of a lot of the guys' hearts that I that, that I work with, especially in same-sex attraction, is that they really do want their father's approval. And it can be a real healing thing for them to see that dad really loves them just exactly the way they are, not accepting their sin, but loving them exactly the way they are and for who they are. Uh, you know, once they feel that, there's a real change that occurs, and healing certainly comes out of that. Do you think that a lot of dads in in this situation, do you think m- most of them are are innocently ignorant of what they're doing or do you think there's some dads that have gotten to the point where they say I'm I'm who I am, I'm not going to change? I think you got both both of those kinds of dads. I think there's some who really just look up one day and go, "Oh man, I didn't know I was doing that." Uh I see it and I feel it in my own heart, you know. I think that's one of the the most telltale signs is if a dad can really look at himself and just ask himself, hey, do I ever feel like I lived up to my own dad's expectations? Mm-hmm. And do I live up to my own expectations every day? And how is it when I fail? And if he answers a lot of no's to that, that I I didn't meet up and I don't like when I fail and I give my, myself a hard time when I fail, then I think he may have to realize maybe he's done that to his son. And so that's the guy who may not realize it. Then there's some of those dads who just say, oh, you got to pull yourselves up by the bootstraps, and my son, no son of mine's going to be a weakling, and he's not going to be a failure, and I'm going to make sure and drill it into his head. 
which may also be upbringing and maybe his own misunderstandings of it all, but it's that stubbornness and that pride of being willing to look at it as maybe, uh-oh, maybe I haven't done the right thing. Yeah, and I guess I, I'm i kind of setting the stage here because you kind of have to almost look at it. There's two sides to this equation. You know, there's, obvious, there's obviously the dad's side, and there there needs to be work done there with the dads who either uh, who are recognizing that they're this dad they're this sure. you know impatient perfect dad perfectionistic and all that kind of stuff and recognizing the changes they need to make there's also this son over here and uh there there does come a point at which the son is is no longer merely a passive recipient to this unhealthy behavior but in which they eventually become an active pursuer of disconnecting, isolating, unhealthy behaviors in order to try to meet a legitimate need, but they're doing it through illegitimate means. And so you kind of have to, there's two sides to this because I'm thinking about that son, especially who has the unwilling dad. Sure. The dad who's says, hey, this is who I am and this is who you should be too and I'm not going to change. And uh, and I think what we have to look is on both sides of these equation, there's independent individual decisions that are going to have to be made. Sure. Both from the dad who says, am I going to be willing to make the changes I need to make? And then also the son, am I going to be willing to make the changes I need to make? Because like we've seen, we deal with people, uh, you know, our ministry deals uh, primarily with adults. Sure. And so we're seeing the aftermath of all this, the after effects of all this. And, And what that means is by the time we see these folks, they have already established... Um, their own cycle of addiction. Right. That was probably, much of it was born out of their feelings of inadequacy and less than-ness uh, with their dad. But eventually, they became the ones initiating these sorts of disconnecting behaviors. And so they've got to also take responsibility for that and then figure out what they're going to do in terms of moving toward a dad who may or may not want them to move toward him. Most definitely. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think I can, I even see in my own life, you know, I think my dad was similar to this. I think he, uh, he was this kind of dad. Um, I think he's changed over the years, but I, I also now have grown kids and I have a 16 year old who's not quite grown yet, but I still have to look back and say, Hey, what am I, what have I done to either demand perfection? And how do I change that now? How do I accept them for exactly where they're at? And so I think you it's okay to look at both of those at the same time even and just say, hey, what hurt me growing up in that my, I couldn't reach my dad or I couldn't reach his standard, and now how have I implemented that and what do I do about it now? And so I guess maybe for our listeners, both for the dads and for the sons, we could say that possibly some telltale signs that this could be part of the, uh, the upbringing that you provided for your children or the upbringing that you were in as a child is whether or not you've got obsessive-compulsive tendencies, whether you're perfectionistic, whether you've got a lot of fear and panic in your life and there's a lot of anxiety in your life. All those kinds of things could be real telltale signs that you may want to take a look into your history a little bit to say, where were some of these origins and decide what you're going to do about you know, changing the pattern. Sure. I think certainly letting others down, living up to your own, you know, demands for perfection. I think sometimes it's also that you have to listen to that feeling that's inside you sometimes when you venture out to try something new 
do you give up on it or do you refuse to even try because you're afraid what people might think or if you're not going to be good at it you just don't do it at all um i think a lot of those things are are signs of being somehow fearful of not living up to someone else's or your own level of perfection yeah and personally i actually think there's this is just i mean there's no data to to back this up this is purely you know jonathan darty research here but i personally feel like there are more people that are afraid of success than there are afraid of failure and i think it's born out of this because they've been told they're a failure for so long that what they actually fear is not failure they fear success right and so they just stop trying there's no more trying at all because they're they're actually afraid to succeed because they've they've bought into the lie that they can't succeed right and so it's a it's a huge fear because it's so, it's such unknown territory because they've totally believed that they are nothing but a failure that they couldn't even imagine what success could be like sure and and those kinds of folks are usually the the folks that kind of stay in that dead end job or they stay in that place where they you know they've always had a dream or they've always had a passion and they've just never followed it because you know, I'm afraid of following it. I'm afraid of failing at it. Uh, you know, I know you and I kind of understand this. Starting a ministry is like, whoa, you know, that's, uh, we know it's God, but it also is a leap. It's a leap of saying, we may fail at this, but we're going to try it anyway. And I think that is uh, not to, to say anything about us personally, but to say, you know, that's uh, that's what God wants from us is to live past our our belief about who we think we are Mm -hmm. and develop that understanding of who he says we are which is you know just because a dad may have held us up to real high perfection standards god says i don't care if you fail at it i just want you to try it and then i'll show you how to succeed at it and see i think that's the good news we want to leave with our listeners is that regardless of whether you've got these perfectionist tendencies regardless of what Uh, your tendencies are to demand from others things that are unrealistic expectations, regardless of all of this. The good news is that it doesn't have to remain that way perpetually. You don't have to continue this generational cycle. You can actually change. And and like you said earlier, Lee, it's not something that happens overnight. It's going to take time. But the good news is that there's also resources with both Be Broken as well as Shadow of His Wings that can help you Uh, come out of these false beliefs that say you're nothing but a failure and you'll never be anything but a failure and also to help even those dads learn how to maybe drop to a knee and humble themselves and confess their failures to their sons so that they can be restored in those relationships that's right slow down a little bit decide that it's more it's more it's better to spend time with my son than to perfect him today yeah We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift. Please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart Your love has done its part Now let it rain